Hello, I'm Alex von Hanselman, a historian and screenwriter. And I'm Hannah Gregg, a historian and a consultant to film and television. And this is the History Film Club. Welcome to the club this week, where we have a very exciting applicant for membership of the History Film Club. We've got Kim A. Wagner, Professor of Global and Imperial Histories at Queen Mary University of London, who happens to be an expert in one of the most interesting subjects we cover here at History Film Club, the history of violence. Welcome, Kim. Thank you very much. Is it what we usually cover though, Alex? Violence? <laughs> We've had other themes. I mean, we do quite a lot of dresses. A bit more often. We've done um, pod pieces, you know, Henry it's, VIII. It's true. We, we've done, uh, I mean, you know, sex and violence, of course, the two big classic subjects of, of film and TV. So, you know, yes. we, we do do a fair amount of We're a peaceful club, though, aren't we, generally? Quite peaceful. a peaceful club. But that doesn't mean we can't look at violence on no. This is presumably quite an important moment, isn't it, in sort of film making history? I've seen lots of discussion recently in the press about 20 years on from 9 11 and the changing circumstances in Afghanistan, and you know, people reflecting on how stories of war have been told over the last couple of decades. Kim, do you think there has been any kind of recent films that have been treating those sorts of moments of conflict? In a new way? I'm not sure it's a new way. I mean, there's an entire genre, which is uh, what we could describe as a global war on terror, uh, Hollywood productions. Um, movies like Lone Survivor, Zero Dark Thirty, American Sniper, uh, and there's many more. Um, and they're, they're quite, uh, I mean, they have their own sort of repertoire and you can tell, if, I mean, you don't need to see them. You already know what they're about. Uh, it's obviously a very sort of pro-American, uh, near-imperialist n- narrative of, of uh, heroic, either single white man or heroic white men soldiers. Um, we could think of something like Black Hawk Down as, as uh, similar, but you know, before two thousand and one, um, and something like American Sniper is sort of unabashedly um, jingoistic in its. Um, presentation of the war on terror, right, which, which is about um, defending not just American values in America, but sort of defending the West against the onslaught of um, the, the hordes of savagery uh, depicted, again, quite stereotypically, uh, as whatever shade of, of Muslim fanatic. Um, I was actually teaching uh, American students uh, and we were uh, in 2004, 2005, we were looking at Orientalism and we watched um, 300, mm. um, which has these, if you actually look at it from a sort of, in the context of 19th century Orientalism, but also with a backdrop of the, the then invasion of Iraq and, and ongoing war on terror, it's sort of, it's extremely crude. One of, one of the, the this is a sort of overdramatic voiceover at the end where the sort of the sacrifice of the 300 has mobilized the forces of the West to get together and resist. I think they call it the, the, the dark or evil powers of superstition and, and savagery or something like that. And it, I mean, it's basically uh, a recruitment uh, advertisement at the time. So in many ways, the, the war on terror and the 
so-called clash of civilizations permeates uh, an awful lot of, of the, the Hollywood output of this era. I think that's a really good point. And I mean, 300 comes up a lot in this for, you know, those who might not have seen it. It's technically a sort of historical film about the Battle of Thermopylae, um, the battle between sort of Spartans and, uh, and, and invading nebulous oriental forces um, kind of congregated around Persia. But in the film, they're really represented as being sort of quite globally uh, exotic and other um, I mean, but it's kind of based on a graphic novel. It's obviously heavily abstracted, but it is very, very much a film. Which, that film really does show how these kind of war on terror um, ideals can be back projected onto history, doesn't it? I mean, it really kind of is extremely modern in its take. And it has a sort of this really surreal harem scene where there's sort of all sorts of freaks and half-naked women. But, I mean, it's, again, it's, they've got colourful Persian carpets and they're smoking... <laughs> Uh, hookah and I mean they're sort of box ticking all the the, the stereotypes uh, there uh, which reminds me of uh, Kingdom of Heaven which tries to be even-handed but but really can't avoid falling into the trap of, of sort of full-blown orientalism mm. with these sort of gorgeous landscapes um, which is I mean you you can't tell the difference between uh, and an advertisement poster from the 1890s showing a sunset and pyramids and palm trees and, and camels and then the sort of establishing shot of this genre of movies which again just goes to show the the longevity of particular tropes within popular western culture and thinking about these particular films that have sort of come out of the war on terror itself that are they are historical movies but they're very very much sort of you know what they call shallow period, you know, the kind of uh, very recent historical movies like Zero Dark Thirty, yes, Black Hawk Down slightly before, as you say, things like Green Zone, Benghazi, etc. Um, you mentioned Lone Survivor, American Sniper, all of these films. I mean, those ones that I've mentioned are all pretty supportive of the war on terror, and, you know, and those sorts of general ideals. I mean, are these propaganda movies? Uh, yes. I mean, the short answer is uh, absolutely. <laughs> Lone Survivor, for instance, um, it, it, it has the one of the... The, the actual Lone Survivor is, is uh, a Navy SEAL, uh, one of the, the, the small team, the only one who survived, hence the story, uh, is, you know, plays a cameo there. And there is, um, you know, the, the army sort of provides... Um, you can always tell if there is, is proper military support for uh, a movie that movie toes the line to varying extents. Mm. Um, so so, so that, that's one clear indicator. And I think there is actually, and the, the Navy SEALs slash the uh, American Army uh, Navy uh, actually made one called maybe True Valor or something like that, mm. which doesn't have any actors. So they're all um, Navy SEALs or special forces who play in the movie. And that's where you can really see the, 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 the distinction between an expensive Hollywood production with actors pretending to be soldiers and then the sort of commercial recruitment advertisements we're sort of used to that try to dramatize and make military service appealing to young people, sort of completely uh, evaporating that distinction when actually the army itself makes movies. 
Mm. Um, and that's, um, it's a, I mean, you, you kind of, you don't want to go and watch Lone Survivor, you know, on a date night. It's, it's something, you know, after you've, <laughs> after you've been to Beavers and be, been out with the, the other football bros, you know, you go and sit there and then you fist pump uh, at the end when sort of America wins and, um, and the evil Muslims are killed. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm being overly, you know, crude here. That is the, the depth of, of the plot lines, really. Mm. And I mean, it's interesting, the level of involvement, isn't it, as you say, from, because I think a lot of people probably don't realise how involved um, the American military and so on can be in these films. I mean, certainly if you're making a film that requires, say, props and things that are big military hardware, well, you can't really just go and pick those up somewhere. You often do have to collaborate. And then, of course, you know, it can be quite subtle. There can be a military agency that says, well, look, we'll just look through the script for you and, uh, and help you out with a few of your details. And then before you know it, there's quite heavy involvement and I think even films like I mean Zero Dark Thirty which of course is about the um the killing of Osama Bin Laden you know was obviously kind of made by Catherine Bigelow a very credible director as trying to be a sort of critical movie but I think a lot of people's response to that was it clearly got a bit too sucked in by some of the narratives like for instance depicting torture really as being the way that they managed to get to him which in real life is not true as a kind of justification there there is um a, yeah as you correctly point out there are us and her previous movie the hurt locker again tries to show sort of the how war can be an addictive drug and can be destructive but also attractive at the same time very much but it's about a sort of uh, not exactly toxic masculinity but a particular kind of of male experience, which, you know, by 2021, tens of thousands of young men in the West has, has have been through. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you don't really have a, a criticism of Western involvement in the non-Western world. It's still, it, it's, it's wrapped in different ways. But um, and maybe maybe the, you see the, the sort of a backlit American tattered flag, uh, just like you did in um, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, maybe that's there or not. But really, we we are, we are never left in any doubt as to who the good guys and the bad guys are ultimately. Well, it's really interesting to hear about the amount of um, kind of background military involvement in those sorts of films because I do remember reading an article fairly recently about it's around nine eleven that that mentioned that George Bush's White House had actually had lots of secrets of meetings with Hollywood um, in 2001, kind of to see how Hollywood could facilitate the war on terror. And I didn't think that much of it then because I sort of presume, well, the governments are probably always asking the entertainment industry to do, to do things like that. But then it's going to be fascinating, I think, to reflect on that sweep of films that have come out and looking at um, how they are depicting narratives of of torture and of military involvement um, in the Middle East. But are you suggesting, though, that Hurt Locker was trying to offer a more nuanced narrative in the end? Because that is also the one that won all the awards, isn't it? That was the one that sort of became the biggest hit of all of those sorts of films of that of that genre and that era. Um, so is it that the critical acclaim has actually been given to the one that's trying to shift the narrative a bit? Or is that just wishful thinking on my part? I, th- I think, objectively speaking, uh, it, it, it is a better, more interesting movie 
compared to, say, American Sniper or Lone Survivor, uh, regardless of the political context. Um, it's got, you know, d deep, you know, greater depth, uh, more character development, and it, it doesn't have these sort of cut out two-dimensional heroic figures. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what usually gets the acclaim is, mm -hmm. is when, when um, the, the, the hero is, 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 a, is a, a jaded hero, but then, you know, a hero nonetheless. Um, but it, it, that in some ways reminded me of the sort of vast number of, of Vietnam War movies, uh, which started coming out in the 1980s, which um, by that time it was not acceptable to make this sort of John Wayne, Green Berets, pro-American <laughs> movies about the Vietnam War. So you do... you. you Today, you, you, you can barely conceive of a Vietnam War movie which doesn't show American troops perpetrating atrocities against Vietnamese civilians. That's, that's, that, that has become part of the genre, which I think is a really remarkable thing, if you think about that. Mm. That actually, uh, and of course, uh, We Were Soldiers Once is, is an exception, uh, and that, that's far closer to something like uh, Black Hawk Down. Um, so something like The Hurt Locker, really shows uh, American soldiers, young men, being to varying degrees the victims of uh, American invasions of, of different countries, which is, of course, the, the ultimate um, and, and quite tragic irony of the Vietnam War movies as well. I mean, Casualties of War, the one with um, uh, Fox in it, um, mm. I mean, it, and Sean Penn as well, it, 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 is, it is about uh, how tough it is and how innocent these American boys uh, are and how they've turned in, you know, how they're brutalized and, and these kind of things. Um, but actually, if you think about that, that is also uh, underlying a lot of the, I mean, even in, in Zero Dark Thirty, you know, she's, she's fighting the system and, and um, something like... Um, 13 Hours about Benghazi is very, very explicit. So in American movies, it's, it's, you can have criticism of armchair generals or, or, or liberals who are, who are putting our boys in harm's way uh, so that the narrative is, is sort of slightly skewed. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, we, you know our boys are the good ones and, and they're going to kill the bad guys. Um, yeah, so so I, there, I mean, it's, there are various ways that, that the, the sort of the celebration of uh, American foreign policy takes place, uh, but it, it it never ever focuses on the non-white victims of uh, American neo-imperialism. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, essentially, that kind of calls back to the very old First World War narrative, I guess, of lions led by donkeys and all of that. You know, you can have, and I mean, even in something like Casualties of War, which, my goodness, that is a harrowing watch. I have to say, I'm not. I think it's, you know, it's a very good film in many ways, but I, I hesitate to recommend it to our listeners because that's one really stays with me and how horrible it is. Um, but, you know, you have, there's always, the conflict is between the bad apple American soldiers leading people wrong and then the good ones, you know, who are all kind of um, trying to do the right thing. It's Again, it's all very much about that internal thing. And you can have that sort of critique. You can show that there are, soldiers who do bad things as long as you're also showing that there are soldiers who do good things you know that's the sort of balance there as you say it's not really from an outside perspective but 
I suppose are, you know, what we would be interested in also is are there films being made elsewhere that do challenge mm. this perspective? I mean, outside Hollywood, are there spaces to do this? Well, I, I would I would emphasize the, the American Vietnam War movies as being quite progressive if you think about it. Um, with, within limits, of course. We don't have anything comparable uh, about the end of the British Empire, right? I mean, if, you, if, if we think of, of the Vietnam War as the American equivalent of decolonization, um, then th there simply isn't anything at all uh, for the British context. There, there were a few movies made at the time uh, about the Mau Mau, um, for instance, but I mean, they, they're, they were very small and, and minor productions in many ways. Ireland, Northern Ireland is the only exception. Hmm. Uh, but basically, the British do not make movies about the post-1945 conflicts. The French uh, have been far better, I think, uh, at, at, at doing that. And, and there are some quite remarkable and really excellent films about uh, both the, the war in Algeria uh, and in Indochina, which, which are sort of miles ahead of, uh, of what the Americans do and certainly what the, the British might do. There's a recent um, Dutch movie that's just come out, which I haven't seen yet. But again, it invariably has a young Dutch man as its central character. Um, and and that's, that's one of the things about films of Western intervention in a non-Western world. It, it is about uh, usually a white male cent central to the story. Even something like uh, Apocalypse Now, you know, mm. it is... It is uh, the American experience and uh, the American suffering that is front and center. But how can you, how do you account for those slight differences, even within the kind of Western presentation of, of some of those stories? So why is it that a French filmmaking industry or audience would be more receptive to kind of more nuances in terms of their storytelling than might be the case in the films that are coming out of Hollywood or out of the British filmmaking industry? Is there something particular about the French experience that you think that makes it viable? I think so. I mean, decolonization played itself out in France, I mean, on the streets of Paris yeah. itself. Uh, and the kind of debates about empire and its legacies uh, have, have a very different currency in French politics and have had, and that's been the case for the last 50 years. Britain never underwent a process of decolonization. Uh, which is instead what we have is this sort of really, I mean, I, I work on, on British India and, and I have some affection for the sort of um, Merchant Ivory Rush nostalgia of the 1980s, but, but it is, uh, it's quaint and, and, and it's, um, it doesn't really address the, 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 the really touchy areas at all. So we've been able to, when I say we, uh, you know, there's a movie called, I think it's called 71, about a British soldier uh, in Northern Ireland, which I, kind of, I quite liked, uh, mm. came out quite recently. Uh, so Ireland is an exception, but of course the enemy there is white. And there is mm. an, indeed an Irish film industry that, 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 that you know, provides a different kind of pushback. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there are deeper uh, issues in terms of how... Um, post-1945 uh, foreign policy is debated publicly uh, and how it's, it's, it's expressed uh, through film. And I mean, are we seeing these kinds of movies 
come out in you know in parts of the world that were colonized as well i mean I, certainly there are a few indian movies about imperial violence i mean things like um a very big hit a few years ago uh mangal pande the rising which you know was about the um the kind of great rebellion of 1857 um and i mean also you know there have been some more recently about revolutionaries like Bhagat Singh you know he's cropped up in a couple of movies and and so on but I mean I suppose it doesn't seem to be I'm always struck that there aren't more Indian movies actually about the Raj that there are a lot of them um about kind of deeper periods in Indian history um about the sort of pre-British period but there doesn't seem to be an awful lot that are kind of more current. No they they, they tend to fall into the sort of strictly nationalist celebratory narrative where you know Mangal Pandey is called the Ballad of Mangal Pandey, the the Great Rising, which is sort of the supposedly the opening shot of the Indian uh, struggle for freedom, which then comes to fruition in 1947. That very much represents itself as a historical account, but is mm. as authentic as something like Braveheart. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, very historically accurate, then precise and well researched. Well, but I, I, th- I mean, I don't need to tell you guys that you know historical films are not actually about history in many ways, right? What? No, um, that's it. Close down the club. Yeah. Well, I think I mean that's definitely the conclusion of the war on terror movies, isn't it? I mean, they're all so much about trying to establish an agenda, um, whatever that is, as opposed to any kind of historical accuracy that that comes out loud and clear. But have there been? What about any satirical takes? Has, has have any kind of comedy writers uh, attempted to offer a different sort of presentation on on film, or is it still a bit too recent history to be to be subject to that kind of treatment? You mean the War on Terror or the, the British Empire? Well, just generally. I mean, any, either. <laughs> to be honest, I'm just want to find a film that tells a different story. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I think there is uh, a movie about. An Indian and a, and a an Asian American guy who ends up in Guantanamo, uh, which I I don't remember the title of that and I haven't watched it. But that is sort <laughs> of, you know, um, what's it called? That series where they end up in Las Vegas and they're drunk and uh, oh yeah, the Hangover. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a, a sort of a take on the same sort of theme. Two innocent Americans end up in Guantanamo. Um, but that's, I mean, that's on a level of, I don't know, American Pie or something like that. Mm. Um, I, I think there's don't... Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. Might there you go. There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that's particularly serious critique. No, <laughs> no. So we're, we're reaching, aren't we, to try and find well, something. That I was... suppose there are things like Three Kings. I mean, I would go back a bit. It's actually slightly before the War on Terror came out, just as it started. But I still think Buffalo Soldiers is quite a good um, look at American soldiers overseas. I think that's 2001. Yeah, and, and, and there are, I guess, I mean, it's not exactly satirical, but Jarhead. And, um, yeah. Th- th- there, is, there is a genre of sort of the irreverent depiction of... of but again, it's, it's a depiction of, of the experience of, of um, Western males, mm. um, and it's it's not really that specific to any particular conflict. It could have been anywhere, really. Um, and I guess there are films like, I mean, this is political rather than military, but something like Wag the Dog, um, 
which sort of mm -hmm. satirizes I mean again that was really pre-war on terror in terms of its themes and um, I think the film came out during it but you know very much kind of looking at those sort of the political machinations that make this happen rather than and how corrupt those can be. So, I mean, it's one of the issues then that we encounter with these kind of films is sort of which is what you said, Kim, that actually they're a vehicle for kind of a story about about masculinity and terrorism and not really so much about the conflict or about the politics behind the conflict. They tend to be just a, the context of which a kind of, yeah, the soldier hero figure story is told. Is that one of the recurring themes you find in these sorts of films? I mean, I would say those conflicts are, are, are not even really the context. I mean, because okay. they, they could have played out anywhere. I mean, in, in 12 Strong, they're riding horses against tanks in, in Afghanistan. Um, hmm. I mean, there's, a, there's obvious connotations for an American movie to have the sort of American soldiers as cowboys. Hmm. Um, no, I, I think in many ways... Uh, conflict is interchangeable for very, very similar storylines over time. Uh, it's just the, the sort of, the con it's a bit like, you know, James Bond villains. You can, you, can, you know, map uh, the, the Cold War, changing political landscape of, of Cold War and, and post-1990 <laughs> European politics through the villains of Bond movies. You know, yeah. there's yeah. a very specific point in the 19... 80s where they're Colombian drug dealers and then they become rogue North Koreans after they had been rogue um, uh, Russian generals, you know, at some mm. point. And so there's this, that, but, but the, 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 the main protagonist and the sort of various um, experiences and dilemmas they face really don't change that much. Uh, I mean, I'd say something like The Hurt Locker. There's also a, there's a HBO series called Generation Kill, uh, which was a, a dramatization of, of uh, the account of an embedded journalist, uh, which, which has more of a sort of, you know, with the grunts on the ground uh, as they invade Iraq. And, but, uh, I mean, that, that, that could have been Band of Brothers or The Pacific in, in some ways, uh, I would say. And Kim, we also like to ask, so um, all the new applicants for the History Film Club have to nominate a particular favourite film or TV production to add to our club library. So I was wondering what you would like to nominate. Um, well, I mean, that's not very difficult. Uh, the Battle of Algiers, Gilo Pondacorvo's classic from oh. um, 1966. Uh, I think I, I own six different versions of you know 4k and blu-ray um which is obviously kind of a different kind of performance of masculinity um i mean that's that's just an amazing film uh i had uh, I, I actually watched it quite late in life um and i was writing about the Amritsar massacre at the time and i didn't really think that it would be possible just thinking about, you know, could you make a good movie about the Amritsar massacre? But then I watched the Battle of Algiers and it was, it was just, there's a, there's a, I don't, I don't think it can be replicated uh, today just mm. because the, the kind of the, the use of non-professional actors, the, the staging of the crowd scenes, which are absolute, I mean, you really can't tell that this is not newsreel. Um, shot in black and white, 
And then he does something, uh, Gilo Pondokovo does something really amazing is that he, so he has this, he, he describes it as a di di dictatorship of truth, which is this sort of commitment to deep realism on the one hand, but then on the other hand, he's got a soundtrack by Ennio Morricone, uh, which, so on the one hand, you invoke this sort of the conceit of realism at the very, very highest level, but at the same time, You've got a deeply emotive soundtrack, which completely undercuts the pretense of, of this being a newsreel or real. And so that combination is incredibly powerful, I find, uh, because, of course, it's not there. It's not actually, you know, authentic uh, in, in many ways. It's, it's like like all other uh, films. It, it's uh, it's again, it's a, it's a pretense and it's a conceit, but it's just very, very uh, effective and, and and unfortunately uh the director he tried to replicate the same thing by um uh, getting um marlon brando on board and he, he did a movie a few years later called burn which in my opinion is, is absolutely terrible <laughs> um, yeah i don't think you're the only one with that opinion <laughs> i mean the, the soundtrack is good but the sort of the the, the attempt at recreating you know, 19th century uh, sugar plantation societies is just absolutely dreadful. Mm. Um, and, and, and really just emphasizes how good the Battle of Algiers is. It is an absolutely incredible film. And I mean, you know, I mean, there's almost nothing else like it. I would advise it for anyone. And I mean, actually, although it's, um, you know, obviously, as you say, remembering that it's not actually a documentary, it is, it is a, um, a, you know a staged film um even so there's lots of stories that actually it does get used within various military academies and so on as part of training just because its recreations are so incredibly good um so even during the war on terror there were stories that the americans were watching it and showing it to their strategists gosh that's just a bit complicated doesn't it i know really messy. it was just, uh, shown in pentagon in 2003 there you go um, yeah. Right. yeah wow yeah so so it does kind of, you know, here life imitates art, imitates life. And <laughs> you yeah, get this sort yeah. of uh, quite complex echo chamber about that. But it is completely brilliant. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's just absolutely nothing else like it. And so, so it's, would... it's presented as a newsreel, is it? As, as if it's a documentary, it's presented. It's no, not. I mean, it's how it's constructed. It, it, has this op it has this opening screen okay. that says no real uh, footage was, no, no newsreel footage was used in the creation of this film. And it follows, it follows the main character uh Elie Lapointe who's sort of who, who, who is uh you know not an actor not a trained actor but who has an extreme you know incredible screen presence and it mm. follows his uh well it starts with his him being trapped by the the the, the French counterinsurgency forces and then you mm. sort of uh look back over his how he became I guess radicalized is the right term and and sort of the the, the process of Algeria gaining its independence. Uh, so it's, it's very much, I mean, it's, it's from, it was filmed, you know, less than a decade after the end of the, that conflict. So it's, it is a movie of its time. And uh, it has, you know, Sadi Yasef, who's, who's, who was actually one of the FLN leaders, plays a character who's more or less himself in the film. So it, it does really blur the lines between uh, fact and fiction yeah oh it's fascinating that it's used in you know shown in the pentagon and used in other contexts if we had all the data for that it's just 
brilliant ammunition for when anyone says, you know, that films should only be historically accurate because you can say, well, you're using a fictional interpretation of a battle <laughs> for your training. <laughs> so, you know. And one, yeah, I mean, and it's so important that it is explicit about being fictional as well. As you say at the beginning, it says this isn't newsreel footage. And of course, so many films, fictional films, deliberately blur that line. I mean, JFK obviously being an example where they tried to effectively use sort of documentary styles of cutting and camera work, um, you know, shaky cam, uh, recreate <laughs> fake footage. And there you have the Battle of Algiers just being out of out front saying, no, this isn't real, by the way, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Very different approach. <laughs> well, well, definitely, I think add that to the library. That sounds like a brilliant pick um, and one that we should all watch. And can we also ask all of the applicants to the History Film Club to select something that uh, we should um, exclude from the club, a pet hate or a production that you particularly um, dislike. Is there something um, that you'd like to suggest? Uh, I guess uh, the redemptive uh, narrative arc uh, is, is really annoying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's almost impossible to get out of. But, yeah, but that's going to take quite a lot out, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that's when you actually uh i mean i mean that's that's one of the things about um you know liberal states committing atrocities and nevertheless uh telling themselves and others that they are the good guys um you know how you actually manage to twist violence against civilians into something that is ultimately justifiable one way or the other i mean uh, you know alex you mentioned um waterboarding in Zero Dark Thirty, for instance. Mm -hmm. But it's just, there is always this sort of, we, we, we end on a happy and sort of heroic note and manly tears. Let me give you a very concrete example. We Were Soldiers Once with Dear Mel Gibson, uh, which is a Vietnam War movie mm -hmm. of a very different kind than the, the ones we saw in the 18, uh, 1980s. Uh, and, it's, and it's, I think actually it's one of the guys who, uh, did uh, the camera work for Braveheart so that's always already a warning sign <laughs> but, that, but that is just absolutely horrible because it's it's story about this battle where the Americans they're just mowing down uh, Viet Cong and North Vietnamese uh, soldiers for like two hours straight and but half the movie takes place back in the US when the wives of the soldiers are given the telegrams by a taxi driver who's dropping off the names of the dead. And of course, it's supposed to be this really deeply moving uh, story that, 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 that draws a link between the battlefield and then the home front and how the, those, you know, poor wives, you know, they miss and children, they, they, their husbands are dying. But <laughs> it's the Vietnam War, the Americans invaded Vietnam, and there's not, you know, a, a, an American atrocity or dead Vietnamese civilian in sight. And, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing just really bucks the crap out of me yeah. my friend. <laughs> I mean I'm pretty that's, happy that's a re recent uh, I think it's on Netflix called The Outpost um, uh, about uh, and again the sort of Alamo they actually use the term Alamo uh, an American outpost which is surrounded and attacked by a Taliban and again you know it's the, the, the sort of heroes standing left on the battlefield surrounded by piles of dead natives uh, and you can't tell whether it's Zulu or indeed the war on terror. And uh, yeah, I have some issues with that. 
<laughs> okay, okay, well, look, how can we encapsulate this as something to ban? I mean, I guess it's the... Well, we could um, have redemption or just Mel Gibson, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's fine. I just just ban Mel Gibson. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, no, 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 I don't think we... No, I don't know. That's it. I don't know. That seems a little bit harsh. <laughs> Maybe I if mean, we make something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were soldiers could certainly go in the sin bin. I, manly Tears. We could manly ban te- manly I like tears. Manly Tears as a thing. Yeah, fine, <laughs> fine. Manly Tears in the bin. <laughs> that's that's great okay um well look on that basis kim um it is our great pleasure to welcome you as a member of the history film club congratulations you are in um now we love to get all of our new members a drink from the history film club bar it can make any drink uh, historical or modern alcoholic or non-alcoholic depending completely on your preference so what would be your choice uh, historic drink. I'll have the same thing as the Americans had in the Philippines uh, in the early 20th century, which is a pink gin, uh, which I think is gin uh, and Angostura bitters and water, and it uh, it's not very good, but uh, it's historical. <laughs> oh, oh, and of, and of, and of course, uh, Indian tonic water. So, so a, a proper colonial drink. Excellent. Well, I mean, you know, you've got to have that tonic water, otherwise you might get malaria. So, very important to get your quinine. Um, that was always a justification at the time, and I don't think it works anymore, but I still use it. Um, <laughs> excellent. We will get the bar to get you one of those. So thank you very much, Kim Wagner, new member of the History Film Club. Thank you very much for listening.